Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast about helping you get unstuck in the areas of faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility in the hopes of inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, Ron Worley is going to join us, and we're going to have a conversation about the importance of having a code of ethics to drive your life and see success happen in your life. Because if you have a code of ethics, you have guardrails, things that protect you from the things you should not be doing and the things that keep you on track for the things you should be doing. We're also going to talk about Ron's life. He had a hard life growing up, a tough childhood, a very rambunctious one. In fact, you'd probably call him a prodigy child in many respects. And then one day, as he's building up multiple businesses, multiple streams of income, he has a heart attack. And way back when, we did an episode on if you only had five years left to live, uh, what would you do? And I shared it with you about what I would do. Well, it turns out Ron is the real deal because after that Widowmaker heart attack and his survival, it turns out that statistically he had five years left to live. Those five years are up. And now he's on borrowed time, according to medical science. So what has he done in those last five years? How has his life changed? How has he much more uh, tightly embraced his code of ethics to live the life he's always dreamed of living? So sit back and relax. Unless you're melting wax for candles, then um, let us know if those are scented or not, because my wife loves scented candles. But that's not the point. We're going to have a conversation with Ron Worley about having a code of ethics for your life, as well as what does he do with the last five years of his life and what you could do with the last five years of yours. Here we go. All right. Hey, Ron, thanks for being on the show. How are things in Colorado? Oh, my gosh. They're so cold right now, man. Thank you for having me on, by the mm. way. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, there's a, by the time people hear this, the snowstorm will be long gone and it might even yeah. be springtime and you're like snow um, <laughs> so it'd be great if it's, yeah if we lived through this it was three feet of snow i'm buried at my address is two one one <laughs> <laughs> we'll send help in a saint bernard <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> some hot chocolate <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh that's the old bugs bunny days oh man oh geez i'm gonna go down memory lane okay not not a good day for adhd to kick in huh <laughs> uh, Oh, well, it it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, so um, we got connected through book launchers, uh, a friend of mine, Sarah Bean, who is driving that marketing campaign for you. And, um, yeah. and of course, I, I love working with her because she does her homework. Like she knows the client, you, and then she does her homework on the on the shows that she connects you with. And yeah, uh, so I, I almost never have to think too hard about whether or not the person's a good fit. Uh, I just say yes, give them materials and let's, let's get ready for this. So, um, really cool story. You got a book that came out called Ditches to Riches. You've got your podcast, Son of a, wait, it's Sons, Sons of, ditches. of Ditches. Sons yep. of Ditches. I was, I was going to say Son of a, and then I was like, wait, no, 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 I'm not in the army anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but Sons of Ditches and, um, just very powerful. I mean, you share about yourself. I mean, to say you had a hard early life would be an understatement and yeah um you know today you know you fast forward to where you are today you have multiple businesses you have a thriving marriage relationship you have two children uh, who are growing up and living life 
And, you know, looking at you today, you wouldn't know, hey, that's not the Ron Worley from, you know, 20-ish, 30-ish years ago. Right. Um, And so... uh, so yeah, today you got multiple uh, businesses. You mentor people on how to um, start their own business and make it work. Uh, right. What are some of the businesses you have today? Uh, geez, we just so I do have we have our uh, real estate investing firm, our holding company that builds. Uh, we build, it's a building company. We build uh, spec homes, uh, which in Colorado is just booming right now so we are trying to stay desperately ahead of it we're not doing very well but (laughs) hey we just keep plugging along here in colorado um trying to keep up with the market Uh, i do own my bail bonds business still Mm -hmm. i've been doing that 25 years now and i just recently opened a development business um actually in january uh we've been working together for about a year, but we just opened, uh, actually went into business together in January and we've got a couple deals in the works. So we're actually going to be hopefully finding, uh, we're, what we do is we, we find land and develop it so that we can build homes on it. Okay. Because there is a terrible shortage of homes in America, but mostly in Colorado. <laughs> so, wow. uh, we, we get about 18,000 people a month that come through to Colorado to live. And, uh, right now we have enough, let's see, in my entire town of 300, well, I guess it's 130,000 people. There's 60 homes available across the gamut. So if you want a million dollar home or if you want a, you know, I guess the minimum now is about 300,000 across that gamut. There's about 60 homes and that includes new builds. So there, there is nothing available for people to move up, move down. And it's a great time to do one of those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, so that's, that's where the market's pointing and that's where our money's at. So we're chasing it. My wife is a, we have a real estate firm that also sells real estate, uh, residential real estate and my wife just kills it. So nice. uh, I've been practicing. We just moved into a new home and I've been practicing not working for a little bit. Oh, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is what people do when they relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, with bail bonds, it's it's a nonstop. I've, I've been working bail bonds 25 years, and it's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And when the phone rings, you go to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll get into this later, but there was a period in my life where that all came tumbling down. Yeah. And I changed the way I live. I started hiring people, and I have a lovely uh a secretary that now takes my telephone over the week. And so on the weekends, I still have it, but it's very, very minimal. So I literally, I feel like I'm not working, even though I'm working, you know, because yeah. of that phone not being connected to my head uh, all the time. So, so you made a shift from working in your businesses to working on your businesses, it sounds like. Yeah. And and I hear that phrase a lot. And um, unfortunately, with bail bonds, you you have to work in it uh, at some degree. I mean, I, st- so what I had to do actually is just be okay with people using someone else because it is a personal business. They use me because they like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they relate with me. I relate with them because I've been to jail many, many times. And, uh, that, that's something that I, you know, I have com- great compassion for, for people in that situation. Yeah. And, and the, that's part of how I became successful in bail bonds. And, uh, you know, 
anybody else trying to do that. They have their own personality. It just doesn't work. Uh, so I, I, I literally had to be okay losing money or losing customers based off of not answering the phone. And that's what took me so long, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my baby. So. Yeah. How hard was that for you though, to make that transition from, you know, yeah, I got to have it all. I got, I got to capture every lead possible to, it is okay to say no to some, some business to say yes to some great business. Yeah. So, uh, you know, ultimately I think I'm the world's laziest man at, at heart. And, <laughs> um, I, I worked out a necessity and fear and, uh, one of my biggest fears was that my children would grow up and think that I was just worthless. And, Mm. um, I proved to them otherwise. And, and I probably made this, uh, this, their lives better for it because now they have something to live up to, uh, when it could have been the opposite and was the opposite for many years. Um, but ultimately my goal isn't to make, you know, as many millions of dollars as I can. My goal is to just cease working period. And to be free of all of that. I, I want, so right now, what I, I guess I should say not cease working, but work because I want to and because I'm enjoying something and, uh, swear to the Lord himself. I have not liked bail bonds, not even the first day. and so uh what i am doing is working on like i said those other companies that are so much fun and different and i and i don't like real estate i i got into selling you know my wife and i sell homes um and hopefully none of my clients hear this but i honestly don't like the transaction of that i've helped enough people in other ways that i don't like uh you know i concierging a home for somebody it it that that i like the b2b kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. so that's why i got into building the home because now i'm dealing with other professionals you're dealing uh development developing is dealing with other professionals um I, I my wife loves baby and the clients and getting them there and that makes her feel good she gets all kinds of gifts and um and honestly she's like number one in the state last year for oh, wow. our, yeah she i mean she's just killing it but I, I just honestly, I can't do the little transactions. I've kind of graduated into uh, bigger projects that take longer and maybe there's a bigger reward at the end. And, um, and she's doing that. So without her, honestly, I wouldn't be able to kick back and do this. I would have to still be in the grind trying to make ends meet, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, she's kind of given us our, uh, her career has given us kind of a safety net, if you will. Um, in fact, bail bonds is one of the, the, the reason I started all these other companies and was always doing something as uh, because bail bonds was such a breadwinner for us. And, uh, the government was always, uh, we were at fear of losing our jobs and, uh, we, we'd be up at the Capitol every year fighting for our jobs. And sometimes oh. we'd win by a vote or two. And, uh, and I just got, I just got f- fearful that I was going to be living, uh, you know, very poor and I'd, and ultimately go back to drinking and drugging because I couldn't handle, you know, the downturn of my, or the spiral of my life. I didn't want to test that. So yeah. I always just tried to stay ahead of it, you know? Wow. Um, and then yeah, we opened four retail companies in spite of bail bonds. So yeah. <laughs> and that was like a nutrition supplements, right? Or 
Yeah. So at yeah. the time we were actually, uh, bail, uh, bail, uh, bodybuilders, mm-hmm. um, natural bodybuilders, of course. And, uh, so we were always on stage and stuff and, and we just kind of naturally, we just fell into again, helping people. Um, we like to help them with their meal plans and things like that. And, uh, these, you know, people looked up to us because we were, uh, healthy and fit and, doing the right things. And then, so yeah, we opened a max muscle store, uh, here in Loveland, which is about 10 miles from our house. Uh, and then the other ones. So people, not everybody should run business. That's, that's a fact. And a lot of people think it's easier than it should. It really is. And so we picked up three other failing businesses that, uh, we were, we found out we were really good at it. And so we just kept building them up, um, buy them cheap, build them up. And then ultimately we sold all four of them. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was, that was a fun eight years. Uh, <laughs> enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounded like, uh, and from your book, ditches to riches, I mean, you talked about how, uh, you built those, uh, based on your values, the worldly way. Yeah. Uh, or what became the Worley way. And it got to the point where your employees weren't just the hired help. Like they, th- there's a couple that you name off who are practically like family. And, you know, for you, it, it, it's the owner of the business going to check on a shop, but you're, you're loading up the kids, you're driving out there as a family and you're hanging out with the person running the shop and just the reaction and the response from the person working the counter, you know, excited to see you as if, you know, family are coming to visit. And right. that is such a neat uh, culture to build in the organization. And um, tell us more about like, why it's so important to develop your business based on those values, based on building a culture that uh, is welcoming and, and builds those tight relationships. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, look, I tried to paint a picture of this person that wasn't, um, I wasn't a money-hungry type person, but to be just straight up honest with your audience, um, I learned that somebody that feels that they're a part of a family, they work cheaper, they stay longer, uh, they care more, they, they're invested in your business. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they're a better employee. Yeah. And when I learned that, I felt good too. I mean, here I was, you know, I'm always, I'm always looking for friends and family. That's, I've done that my whole life, just trying to find people to look up to and friends to hang out with and uh, make things feel like a family that, you know, I, I did have a family, but feel like a family that I wanted mm-hmm. uh, to have, not the one I got. And uh, you know, that, so it was kind of selfish, you know, I, it helped me make money, but it also kept the stress and the fun in the business. So 
Um, we were able to, uh, you know, the family dinners and things that we did, that was important to them. I'm sure not all of our employees liked going to them because, you know, they could have just went home and enjoyed themselves. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, we, especially when we had four stores and you have all these employees and they compete against each other. It was just a good way for everybody to know each other outside of work. And, uh, and it, it, for us, it was a good way for us to get a beat on who somebody was outside of work. Mm -hmm. People fake it a lot. And, uh, we didn't want fakers, you know, uh, we went through 24 employees. Uh, so we were hiring somebody every two weeks, uh, the first year in business. Oh, wow. And, and you can imagine we, I mean, we were fumbling around everywhere. So, uh, to try and find someone and we kept looking for someone that had the, um, the skill level rather than hiring on values. Oh, okay. And that's what, that's what just kept happening to us is we would hire them and then they would steal something. Oh, okay. Well, you're fired. And then. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or, or or whatever the the problems were. So when we figured out that if we hire people, uh, and in fact, what I did was I took a specific uh, customer, and I said, "Why aren't we? This customer spends two hundred bucks a month in our store. Why aren't we trying to find more customers like him?" Mm -hmm. And then that graduated to, "Why aren't we finding more p employees like him?" Because he's this type of person. He's great. He's, uh, he was a police officer. And so he was a stand up guy. And then we, we literally modeled, um, our business after finding more of him yeah. in it, in it and around it and come by from it. This person is who we're looking for. And, uh, when I came up with those values, uh, with my buddy, uh, Jim Hensel, man, it just all came home. Like I didn't have that in my own house and I didn't have it in my businesses. And, you know, I always say our business is an extension of ourselves. And yeah. so of course our business was sloppy and it was running crazy and it was hiring, <laughs> but because that's who I was, you yeah. know, I was running around with my head cut off. So yeah, it just really centered us. I was able to actually center my wife jumped on on board immediately i was really worried she wasn't going to jump on board with these 10 values um because to me that was new and crazy and it was like a idea at that point but she was like yeah man um i've lived these my whole life you're mm -hmm. stupid so yeah let's do that <laughs> <laughs> oh. she's like welcome to the show <laughs> glad yeah. you made it <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so again she was a cop at the time so she very black and white, um, very, uh, she knows right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And I could never f understand how she knew that just what right and wrong was. Cause I ran off of feelings and, yeah. and I would do what made me feel good in the moment. And, uh, once I got these values, all of a sudden I had a guide that told me what right and wrong was based off of what I thought was right and wrong, not off of somebody else. And, um, and that trickled down to my kids. It trickled down to my businesses. Uh, and all of a sudden people jumped on board. They, they weren't just a part of the family. They were in the family. They had power in the family. They had a voice in the family. Um, you know, and, and so it's, can I tell one, one story? I'll yeah. prove the, how these things work, man. I have, uh, three children, all of them adults. My 21 year old, um, is about to graduate college and, and he's the only one that's going to graduate college, by the way. I don't throw college at these kids. I, I mean, of course I'll pay for it if they want to go, but, um, they all get to do what makes them happy. And that's all I care about. And this kid went to college 
And uh, he went and interviewed in a, he's going to be a mortgage broker. Okay. And <laughs> out of all things, I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. Um, but he, so he goes into this interview. He's 21 years old. He's the youngest kid they've interviewed and he just blows them away. So the boss and I have to do some work later. And uh, he says, man, your kid has some balls on him mm. i'm like whoa what what are you t- this kid does not have those so what are you talking about so apparently they asked him uh you know who he was and he just spouted off his values oh wow and that, yeah and he so when he was 20 i he was running through some rough stuff and i i set him down we went through the book we went through the values we got him his own set and man he has literally just been using those like to charge through his life so he sits down, he tells them exactly who he is based off of his values. This is my values and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a lion and I take care of my pride and this is what I do. Then he says, what are your values? I need to know if I can work here or not. Nice. Yeah. And they lost it, man. They did, couldn't even answer it. So now they're reading my book and trying to get with me to figure <laughs> out how to do this. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a perfect uh, lead in, but man, that kid. His name is Brendan. He's, he was perfect and it got him a job mm-hmm. I and mean, that they work. Yeah. Um, you know, if you know who you're dealing with at the, at the core level, uh, people want to work with that. Yeah. They know exactly what they're getting, who they're getting. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. My day job, I'm a director for a learning and development team and, and I'm hiring somebody for a temporary position right now. Well, by the time people hear this, I've already hired the person and they're <laughs> probably halfway through that, that temporary uh, contract. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where I, I hire for their values, their fit. You know, with yeah. the values of the organization, the values of the team, and you know, and I want them to know and and discern: uh, do our values as a team and organization fit who they are? Because if we are not aligned as you know, like if that individual can't bring his or her whole person to the workplace and be genuine and authentic and vulnerable, um, that person's no good to us, and vice versa, we'll be no good to that person. Like we won't be able to disclose the information needed. We won't be able to be transparent. Um, we'll all be guarded because we will. And, and, and the result is we won't have the team work that's needed. Right. Uh, so I, I definitely see the value in, in hiring for values. In fact, somebody asked me the other day, um, what are my, um, what's my leadership style? And more specifically, the values I bring to the table uh, when I lead. And I hadn't had to say those in like three, maybe four years. So I was stumped in the moment. I'm thinking, wait, I know these because I do it every day. Uh, how do I articulate it? It took me about eight minutes to re-articulate my values as a leader. I thought, okay, that took way too long. I need, to, I need to write these down so the next time somebody asks me and the person who asked is just cracking up like, you know, that, you know, but she was grateful I had shared it and they were, they were simple things like, you know, I value the whole person and because it's that whole person who comes to the door and, yeah. you know, you hear people say, you know, if you're having a bad day, check that at the door, you know, uh, and, and to me, it's like, I, I see where they're saying stuff like that. Because if I'm having a bad day, the customer doesn't deserve right. having that shoved off onto them. However, whatever is 
being rough for that person that day is still there. You know, they're still struggling with it. They're still trying to navigate through putting a smile on and, and doing their best while also suffering. And if they're able to bring their whole self to the table through the door, you know, we as a team can rally around that person and help lift them up, maybe take some load off of them for a little bit, let them maybe give them some time to go deal with that individual thing so they can come back restored and ready. Uh, so that was, that was one key thing. Yeah. Bring Sounds your whole like st- family. To oh. oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, mean, I really resonated from that part of the book. It was like, yes, you know, I want to be able to celebrate your wins, uh, mourn your losses with you. And I want the whole team to feel that it's okay to do that because we are bringing our whole selves. We spend a third of our day in the workplace, if not more. Right. And we spend more time driving to and from those workplaces. You, you kind of want to be able to, you don't have to, be like all kumbaya with the people you work with, but you definitely want to feel connected and engaged with them if you want to do meaningful work, I think. So that was one value. Uh, The other one was, I'll never throw my team under the bus. Yeah, so oh, the nice. people who work for me, uh, I'm going to work for them. And if something's coming downhill, because, you know, they say poop rolls downhill, uh, yep. my job as leader is to get in front of that and protect them from it, learn from it, and then pass the lessons down without, um, you know, throwing them under the bus and sacrificing right. them. And uh, another one was uh, growth through delegation. Um, so, uh, yes, I'm the leader, and there are certain things I have to say yes or no to and make decisions on. However, you know, this is probably more military coming out of me. Uh, you know, we were taught, you know, think and lead in terms of you're going to die first thing in battle, because if you got like a Lieutenant bar on your, your helmet, you're, you're going first sniper's going to get yeah. you. If you're an NCO, like I was, um, they're going to look for you too. Cause you're going to be the guy pointing and yelling and they're going to shoot you next if they can. Uh, so the, you're, true measure of leadership isn't how well you lead while you're alive. It's how well your team is able to continue the mission and complete the mission after you've been killed. And so, you know, passing that on to my team. So can they run this program? If I leave the office for a day, Uh, can this team operate while I go to a meeting? And if they can't operate while I go to a meeting, then I'm no good to the leadership of my organization, no good to them, my own team. And so, yeah, that growth through delegation. And then uh, I think those are the big three, um, bring your whole self. And you know, it's, it's like, but it took me eight minutes to get there. I was like, wow, (laughs) man, that last one's intense, man. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. The military kind of makes it morbid, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, that, uh, I'm sure people, that brings people into you, uh, while you're talking, you know, cause I, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. My, my own team, when I first came on board, they were, um, they were surprised at how much I was willing to hand projects off to them and say, this yeah. is yours. Here's some deadlines I need you to meet, but, and here are the parameters of that project, but it's yours. And yep. if it's successful, it's yours. If it right. runs into trouble, we're going to work on it together before somebody, you know, tries to shoot it down. And so we're going to succeed together and, um, you're not going to fail. And, and that's the double edged sword right there. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I am a person that I just depend on, depend, depend on people and I don't follow up. I'm not a micromanager. I just expect it to get done. Yeah. And then when it's done, I'll appreciate it either way. No matter what it is, we may have to work on it together again, but. Uh, you know, hey, you got it done and I didn't have to do it. I'm appreciative of that kind of work mentality. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And I, I, it took me a while to learn that to allow folks to own a piece of the 
the wall or the the house yeah. that needs to be built, you got to be willing to accept that it's not going to be exactly the way you envisioned it. You know, they're, they're going to add their own flavor to it. And um, I, I love that you say that, man, that is, that is the perfect analogy when you, when you use the home, you know, yeah. you got, so when you build a home, you've got a whole bunch of subs that come in and, and do their work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we recently had a home built and I won't give you the name because we were very upset with the way oh. <laughs> it's finished. You know, we paid a lot of money, bought a house. It's our dream, not our dream home, but a, a, basically our dream home. Yeah. Um, where we're going to live for another five years. And, and there's just all these places where people got lazy. And, uh, and I'm not a particular person, but there's, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not so detail oriented that I would pick apart a house. And, uh, but there was just so much. And I tried to talk to the guy, the the builder. I'm like, look, your people aren't buying into you. You're building a very fancy, you know, high-end home with high-end finishes. And then you've got a guy over here that can't do this little item. You know, yeah. he, he just don't care. Or your electrician tells me I need to buy a new vacuum instead of fixing the elect- electrical work. You know, the, these aren't, he's not buying into you. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get it. I spent 20 minutes trying to tell him what you just said and uh, he, he didn't get it. He walked out of here and said, I'll send some subs. I'm like, cool. Hope it's not the same guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if he does no, send the same so, guys, they better come back improved than the last showing that they did. But Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you that's, so that's what you beat your head up against. Um, you got to work with like-minded folks mm-hmm. um, in business, in life. You try to be around like-minded folks that have values because if you don't, that's what you beat your head up against. Yeah. Like, to talk to him for 20 minutes and he did not get it and he walked away and my, you know, well, I can't fix that. Yeah. That's, it's his problem and uh, all we can do is hope that other people want to listen and, and hang in there and have values and I don't know you just, but people do gravitate to each other right like if you think about when I started doing this uh, back in 2011 ish 12 ish uh, values were not to the forefront of any business mm-hmm. um, in fact we were going through a spell where customer service was god awful because people were still trying to figure out the internet um and how to make money on the internet and you didn't and there was a lot of emailing going on and things and uh a smartphone hadn't come out yet or maybe it just was coming out and so the way we did business was kind of confusing and so for us to put our values to the forefront of our business was something new and courageous and whatnot uh, but nowadays everybody uh, every business uses values to the forefront of their business. I went into Grease Monkey and their value, their core values are on the wall. Yeah. Just like we used to do. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's out there a lot more. It's a lot more pre- prevalent. Companies are using it to, uh, make their businesses more successful. Uh, and they're bringing in customers because of it. Because, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to Grease Monkey forever just because mm-hmm. they post their values on the wall, you know? Yeah. And they probably live out their values. They're not just oh, yeah. posts on the wall. Like they're held accountable to it. Um, you know, if it's like, um, what, like I'm trying to think of one where I used to work, compassion was one of the core values mm-hmm. and it was something they held the nurses and anybody towards. So like if you worked in HR and you acted in a way that was not compassionate to somebody who just got laid off, you working in HR got some corrective training, some, some, uh, Ooh. some discussions going on about 
being compassionate to somebody who just lost a job, somebody who just got rift. Um, you know, if you worked in a nursing unit and you were talking trash about a patient because you called them a frequent flyer or thought they were just in there to get some meds prescribed, um, there was a discussion around compassion. And so it's like, yeah, that's a core value, but it's also the leadership was coming in and saying, look, we, it's not just enough to say compassion is who we are. We as individuals need to live that out. And yeah. I think that's key. Very key is, yeah. 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 So having the values sure. gives you that foundation. Like here, this is what we abide by. And then on top of that, I'm going to hold you accountable to you know, what that looks like. And so that's really cool. Absolutely. Um, now there's, because uh, we're running short on time. Wow. Sorry, bud. <laughs> no, this is, <laughs> that's the sign of a good interview. When you look down, you're like, what? We're almost hitting that time limit. No way. Um, but this was something I picked up from your, your podcast that you have, uh, Sons of Ditches. Um, and the reason why it resonated with me was because a few years ago, uh, Brandon and I on this show did a, just a discussion. He and I hit record and we just had this discussion about something that was on my heart. And it was, what if I, Jerry, only had five years left to live? Yeah. What would I do differently? And I just started like ranting about all the things I would do differently. And I started putting plans in place and having discussions with my wife and, um, you know, saying these are things I want to knock out. And I, I wrote them all down because I've got this like ADHD type of brain and I, I couldn't rattle them off right now. I'll have to go back and look them up. Uh, and then I listened to your show and you have an episode called Live Like You're Dying. And I'm like, I just like the title. Boom. And I play yeah. it. And <laughs> you share an event that happened in your life where you, you have like the mother of all like heart attacks, I believe. And it like what you said, like only 2% of folks who get it actually survive it. Yep. And then, uh, half of them die within six months. And then half of the folks who are still left die within five years. So you had like a one in four chance of living beyond five years. Um, yep. And so I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, wait, this guy literally, has been told he's got up to five years to live and he's living like it. And, and so I just listened to the whole thing and, and um, it, it just blew my mind. And so I, I wanted to just hand the floor over to you and, and let you yeah. kind of share your insights and why it's important to live like you're dying and what that meant when you shared that with your audience at the time. You bet, man. And I get the goosebumps every time I talk about it. So I just got the, the chills ran through mm. my body when you were talking. Um, so yeah, five years ago. Uh, so I'm coming up on my five years in August. Uh, I, but I, I think I'm going to live much longer because of the things I've done uh, in the meantime. So five years ago, 2016, August, I dropped dead uh, from heart uh, it's cardiac arrest. So yeah. the heart stretched out. Um, I have, you know, at the time I was, I was very healthy, very, very healthy. That's what I was doing for a living. Um, but it, you know, stress and probably some drugs in my past and things like that, uh, didn't help. Um, but I stretched out my heart just enough that I was getting a 10, uh, my infraction rate on my left ventricle was 10%. Mm. Yeah, so I was very, very low, and uh, and so when I dropped dead, uh, I woke up in the hospital, and uh, I didn't understand what was going on, man. Like to me, I was like, okay, let's go home. I'm ready to go. Like I feel fine, you know, everything's fine. But then when I get this news that you've, this is the deal, man. You're you're not gonna make it if you don't lay down and take this. And so yeah. I had to sit around for, you know, a couple of years where I didn't do 
I, I wasn't allowed to do anything. Of course, I went back to work. I mean, shoot, stress is nothing. I went back to work two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stress wasn't a real thing in my eyes. I thought that was a cop out for people. And uh, so, so, of course, I went right back to work as soon as I could. In fact, two days after I got out of the hospital, I rode a bicycle to go watch my son's football game because mm. I wasn't allowed to drive my car. <laughs> so, and my wife caught me in the middle of it and she was so mad. She made me ride it back immediately and she put me beside the car and followed me the whole way and I felt so dumb. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so I tested that heart, that, that thing out right away. But, uh, <laughs> and now I just think how stupid I was. I wasn't in my right mind though. You know, I was still, uh, I, I hazy and it was weird. It was a weird time. I, I, I wasn't thinking correctly. And during that thinking, I was thinking of, um, I got to basically witness my own funeral um, because all these people came to see me in the oh. hospital and, and it, it was, it was awful, man. Um, it was cool and awful all at the same time. I mean, some of the people that showed up are not have expected, um, but my children showed up and that hurt my feelings a lot. And for them to cry around my bed, and mm. I, you know, we didn't know how long I had. Um, and, but when I, you know, I, my kids also made some very big life choices because of this happening in my life. And, um, you know, my son quit playing football and he was the quarterback of the varsity team and was headed to D1 athlete status and all this stuff. And he just said, no, life's too short, man. I'm out. Wow. And so he quit playing his junior year. Um, so it, it, anyways, long story short, I've, it, that kind of also taught me that, Hey, you've got to, you've got to do right now what's good for you sometimes and i'd spent a life up to that point i was 43 years old i spent 43 years uh trying to impress this imaginary person in my head prove something to my parents prove something to people i uh, my whole life um and i and i didn't even know what for i i did at the end of the day i was the one laying in the hospital bed surrounded by the people i loved and looking at no life to live mm -hmm. in five years so Everything from then on was okay. Five years, five years, five years. I started, I went out and started a new business and said, okay, we got five years. I'm setting my family up. Here we go. <laughs> so I started a new business and, uh, and that's what got my wife into the real estate business is, uh, doing that. So there was a, uh, plan to that. I was going to get some bonus time later if mm -hmm. she could just get into it. And I had to really talk her into it. So the way to do that, open a business. And, yeah. And I did it. And, uh, but you know, I, the one thing I, uh, felt the need to do was just go out and do everything I could, uh, one last time. I wanted to see people I haven't seen before. And lo and behold, out of, I hadn't seen this guy in 25 years, my high school best friend, we lost track of each other. We didn't, you know, he wasn't on Facebook, whatever. We had not seen each other 25, 30 years. And he called me out of the blue. And it was right after this happened. And I, and I just lost it. And you know, I was crying. I'm like, dude, I have to come see you. I have, yeah. you know. And so we, I went and saw him and we're both sober now, and it, which is crazy. And, mm. uh, and so that just sort of started everything. In those moments with him, I learned that I have many more moments with other people. And I have a second chance to go out and maybe make better moments or new moments to – uh, so that when I died, they had something to remember me by. Yeah. And, and so I just went out and did that. I went, went all over the place, Alaska, Florida, Arizona. I went fishing everywhere. Um, my best friend from now from college moved, moved up here to be closer to me just, in, you know, in case. And, 
but the good news is, is that, you know, after charging forward and just making moments with as many people as I could, and my wife backing me up on that, uh, I also learned that I'm so happy just being home and yeah. having time to myself. Um, and having, we have Thursday night dinners with our family, uh, our adult children bring their people over their, their girlfriends and kids and all that. And they bring them over and we have dinner and games every Thursday. Uh, we don't miss it. And that right there was all I give. That's all I care about. That, that, that is important to me. Yeah. Um, now on the business side of things, I do everything in five years. So we started a new business this year. Um, and it taught me if I, I don't know what the, the, the five year thing is now part of my life. So, uh, we start a new business in January. Exit strategy is in three and a half years. We're going to sell the thing so that in five years, I'm free of it. Oh, and wow. We're going to make, you know, and so everything's just kind of built into five years. Um, wow. but as far as living like you're dying, it's that moment when you, uh, everything you wish you would have done, you don't get back when you die. Yeah. And I got start, I got tired of saying, I wish I would have done that. Oh, I'm going to do this someday. I'm going to do that someday. No, just do it. And so yeah. uh, I wrote the book. I learned how to paint. I'm learning how to sing. I'm, I learned how to make music. Um, and I'm, I'm not musically inclined at all. I do that. You know, I get on the computer and you can mix music together and mm -hmm. it turns out really cool. So, uh, you know, just, just stuff like that, 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 uh, used to make me happy when I was a kid and didn't do. And, um, and I think it's important. Most, most importantly, uh, is the moments with people. Uh, I think we move along too fast. We don't communicate the right way. Uh, we've lost our, our ability to touch each other, uh, at the heart level. And, uh, th that's something that I missed the second I woke up from, from the hospital was, oh, yeah, I'm not ready. I need, I need, I need people. I need to be around people and yeah. have moments. So I've spent the last five years doing it. And now my marker's coming up uh, it, this August uh, that I wasn't supposed to live past. And uh, fortunately for me, I went out and found other alternatives to, to the uh, Western medicine, mm -hmm. which I think is great. Look, Western medicine saved my life uh, five years ago, uh, but it, it wasn't helping me feel better thereafter. So I kept on with the Western medicine, but I also went out and, and met a holistic doctor. And, uh, fortunately my doctor is okay. Like they work together and oh, wow. literally in two weeks, uh, my, my holistic doctor put me on a cleanse and in two weeks I was 65% better. Some of my markers were better than that of a, of a young man. And, uh, you know, now my heart is on four points from a normal, uh, EF fraction rate. Uh, so I'm at a 46, 50 is like a low normal, mm -hmm. uh, minimal what you need. So I'm right back up there. I'm working out all the time. I've, uh, you know, I, I eat decent and, uh, I've learned to eat, uh, differently. So eat when I'm hungry and drink water when I'm thirsty is what my doctor tells me to do. And so I've been doing that instead of trying to put on muscle and, be this bodybuilder and you know super in shape and healthy guy I, I don't worry about those things i just live yeah and uh and and that's the, man i challenge anybody to do it man just pretend like you're dying in, in a couple of years and go out and do every last thing you wish you would have done just yeah. get it done and if you can't wrap your head around <clears throat> excuse me 
if you can't wrap your head around that concept of, you know, what if I only had five years left, you know, think about what we do when, um, you know, we know that we got paid vacation coming up next week and it's Friday afternoon. How hard are you working to get things done and knocked out so you can go enjoy that vacation? It's kind of the same thing. Like if you only have five right. years left, you got to knock some things out and start just doing it now. And that that's the great thing about that episode, live like you're dying. Uh, and, and you mentioned it in the book as well. It's, it's one year knocking out the things on that bucket list, but you're also, and this is the, I think the important thing you mentioned is you're thinking very hard about who are the most important people and yeah. how do you interact with them in these remaining days, years, weeks? I know I said all that out of order, but anyway, y- <laughs> y'all know what I mean. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that you were able to come on and, and talk about, I mean, you talked about business. We talked about values and leadership and um, we talked about the most important thing, I think, and that's how to live and why to live and uh, where to really focus your time if time is short. And I know folks can reach out to you. um, You're on Facebook at Ron L. Worley. Uh, You're on Instagram, Ronald Worley II for Ron Worley II. (laughs) And uh, RonWorley.com. Is there anywhere else folks can reach out to you if they wanted to touch base? Have you mentored that? That's the RonWorley.com has all my contact information. I do answer back emails. If you want to call me, I I talk to people all the time and free of charge. I don't charge anybody anything. Oh man. Buy my book. Yeah. There you go. And then (laughs) after you read the book, pay it forward, hand it to somebody else or buy another copy for somebody. Yes. Yes, And, uh, any, any final words of wisdom you want to pass on before we sign off? Man, I am not wise enough to give you anything, but I do appreciate you having me on, man. This has been a blast, and thank you to your audience for keeping you going. Thank you. Thank you. And and again, Ron, thanks for being on. And Sarah, if you're listening, thank you for connecting us because this was awesome. I lost track of time. (laughs) uh, This has been a great conversation. Uh, Ron, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Beyondtherut.com slash 264. There you'll find links to where you can buy Ron's book, which is called From Ditches to Riches, as well as his website, his podcast, and so much more. We'll also link together some past episodes that kind of relate to coming from a rough childhood and living the best life you can. And maybe I'll even throw in some episodes that we did on the Happiness Advantage a couple years back. Now, the best way you can pay me back on this show is to pay me forward. So if you found yourself inspired by this show in some way, shape, or form, share it with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. Somebody you feel would definitely benefit and appreciate the discussion we had in this episode. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I'm looking forward to you joining me again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.